1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and a huge welcome to another Business Elevation show on Voice America. And I'm really excited about today's show. I've got an amazing guest for you. His name's David Fox Pitt. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, his book, Positive Veracity, and... His incredible life and and contribution uh, to young people and to business people uh, around the world. But before we do that, um, I'd like to uh, say a huge thank you uh, to my guest last week. Um, Some of you will uh, have listened to that show. It was with Kevin Harrington, and Kevin Harrington was from Shark Tank. I think he's the only person on this show I've interviewed who has... Uh, created uh, 20 businesses over a hundred million dollars in their turnover. Uh, he was a man who really invented the infomercial. Um, amazing uh, opportunity to talk with somebody who's got a huge amount of experience of of building and developing uh, businesses. And you know, we we just love to uh, help people on this show to to do that and to change their mindship mind their mindsets such that they can. Uh, really move to the other level uh, my business we, we develop uh, provide workshops and training and coaching and strategies to help you uh, build engagement and to improve people and business performance in the workplace and my guest today uh, really makes a contribution in that field as well uh, and uh I'd also like to say a good thank you to a good mutual friend of ours who introduced me today. but his name's Neil Lawton. Uh, Neil is an incredible adventurer. He's a great businessman, and entrepreneur. He's a great fam- friend of both of ours. And if you go back into the archive and, uh, and listen to the interview with Neil, you'll hear about all about his expeditions up Everest and, and things like that. So thank you, Neil, uh, for your kind introduction. So do you believe in stepping up and doing things differently? Now, David Fox Pitt has been inspiring people to embrace adventure, become more resourceful, build resilience, and encourage a healthy attitude to fear and failure for over 30 years. Uh, so we're going to discuss um, his incredible book. It's called Positive Erosity. Uh, it comes highly recommended by some amazing people like, uh, like Bear Grylls, some of you may know, um, certainly over in the UK, very famous uh, adventurer. Uh, also, uh, people like Rob Rain- Wainwright. I think he was um, uh, an ex captain of Scotland, and various different um, people who've uh, read this book and and, and experienced uh, David. And you know, really, what this book is—it's—it's it's something which really, I think, has come out of the way that David lives and the way that he he acts. And um, his business has actually Wild Fox Events has raised now over forty million pounds for charities worldwide. Through adventure challenges, um, his um, background was uh, international expeditions, but he also trained in the special forces. And uh, as a contribution of uh, all of this experience, now over fifty-five thousand people have participated in challenges through physical endeavour while fundraising for you know people in need. And I've had the great pleasure I visited David and his wonderful family in their remote and beautiful Scottish home, uh, and my family have uh, experienced the impact that he has. On people firsthand. I don't think we will be, we will never be quite the same again, I don't think, after meeting David, particularly if I choose to do his uh, quadrathlon next year. Um, uh, but he's really inspired me uh, to uh, think about that and take my fitness uh, to the next level. Now, we can all benefit, I know, from David's outlook of positive velocity. So uh, I don't want to say any more. I just want to introduce you to the man himself. Uh, welcome to David Fox Pitt.
2: Hello, Chris. How are you? Uh, it's great, great uh, honour to be on your show, and uh, I've got a lot to live up to after all that uh, wonderful introduction.
1: Right, well, you certainly deserve it. You created it, uh, David. Um, so just tell us a little bit about where you live in Scotland, actually, because it's, it's, not, it's not Glasgow, or Edinburgh. You're quite remote.
2: Well, we live in the beautiful, my family, Joanna, um, my wife, um, three children, Sasha, Ida, and Jamie, and three spaniels. We live on the beautiful, stunning banks of Loch Tay. In the heart of God's country, we, we, Scotland is known as God's country. Uh, beautiful views over the Ben Laws range. Um, and you can see for miles and miles and miles. We're very lucky with the view. As you know, you came up, Chris, with your wonderful family and experiences. And today we have stunning weather. We've got a group of 120 children coming tomorrow for they're doing a 60-mile walk over the hill. And they finished down at the loch where we started our canoe from with lots of activities, a barbecue, and fun. So it's and, and we do a lot of hosting of events here because of the stunning environment. I mean, Scotland is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. And many Americans listening will have uh, relations uh, past uh, founding members who have come from Scotland and no doubt will be coming back. But it's a, a really beautiful, beautiful part of the world. and We're very blessed to be where we are.
1: Yeah, and I'd really recommend people to take the opportunity if they can to visit Scotland. It is absolutely stunning, and some of your events they take place, you can literally, you know, see the Seven Monroes from the other the other side of Loch Tay, and you can you've got such a an incredibly inspiring environment just around your home to to do some of these activities.
2: Well, we have, you know, the the event you refer to as the Artemis Great Kondrochi Quadrathlon, which was just started by two a friend of mine and we were just miles montgomery we were just sitting out having a cup of tea saying how can we entertain our friends that come up to this part of the world what can we do to encompass the loch the hills uh swimming and cycling and we came up the quadrathon, which is a miles from across loch tay run the seven monroes somewhere over four thousand feet that's uh, so over 16 miles running in teams of two a, a, an eight mile canoe and a 38 mile kayak uh, i mean cycle around loch tay and here we are, 17 years later. That that event's raised uh, nine million pounds uh, for Mercy Corps, wonderful American NGO, and also Mary's Meals. Uh, so it's 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 just so exciting that a small event like that, which has grown from two people up to three to four hundred a, a year, that has that impact. People have a fantastic experience, a wonderful challenge in this beautiful environment, but they're putting back, and that's what we're all about. Um, you know, with Well Fox and all the things we do. I'm
1: really. You know, kind of intrigued, David, and and I didn't find I didn't find too much about this in, in your book, but I'm just really intrigued about what life was like for you growing up, and where did all this positivity come from?
2: Well, I was, I was very lucky. Um, my, my my father was in the army, and you know, he's a very very positive um, man with a can-do attitude, and I think that definitely definitely helped. And also, from my mother's point of view, who's incredibly generous and incredibly giving. You know, she was a art, very artistic, wonderful artist in painting and sculpture. Uh, we lived in the country. We weren't wealthy, so, it was, you know, no, no question of going abroad for holidays. It's very much, you know, sort of creating our own things right around the house. But we, we, I think I that, think you know, the home life is, is a very... Your, your base is a very important thing. Families are a very important thing. So I was, I was blessed with that. And that's really the whole... Ethos of positive generosity it's a new word I made up a bit of positive thought with generosity, sort of mixed. so it's about you know giving people fun, having a challenge, but also putting back um, and that's where where the sort of word positive generosity came from. but no very much inspired I think uh, Chris by the family uh, very positive family really which which you know and friends uh, which help. Actually,
1: I really got that when I came to stay with you as well. you know you do have a very a very positive family, even the dogs uh, seem to be. Uh, highly enthusiastic um, and full of full of energy, and um, you know it's a wonderful kind of environment. And it's, uh, I think, I think one of the things you know I get from you know, having stayed with you and also with with Neil, is the opportunity sometimes that we we miss with our families to 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 put adventure into family life. And you know you live in a wonderful. Area and you know you have very adventurous uh, children and activities and I, and I found the same when we visited Neil you know we were we were doing all sorts of different activities and quad biking and swimming and various things as uh, as a family and I, and I think you both of you really kind of typify that uh, the importance of I guess ex- family experience.
2: Well, well, you're right, and I'm I'm a huge fan of getting people out. As you mentioned, we've put fifty-five thousand people through our events over the last twenty twenty odd years. Um, and I'm really passionate about getting people out. We've got—I'm on the think tank of inspiring Scotland at the moment, and we're trying to get uh, two to five-year-old olds into outdoor environments because um, you know we're struggling in this country for, for health, um, believe it or not. So we're—I think outdoors is incredibly important, you know. And even when you've left school, um, you know, you want to continue with that. Have challenges, you know, and if possible, raise money for charity as well, so you're putting back. But. Always have a goal to go for. We're blessed living where we live because we can go to the hills, we can go on the loch. But a lot of people don't have that. They're in the cities maybe. But again, in the cities, you've got wonderful parks. I was just running my penny farthing around London the other day. Um, and it's just incredible, the space, the green space in big cities like London. Wonderful health clubs, amazing transport to get to these places. So it doesn't matter where you are, you can have a fit Active life. I talk about healthy body, healthy mind. It's really, really important. But I think it's something in the Western world that we're we're not doing enough of, and we're seeing obesity rates rise, health concerns for lack of exercise. So I think the outdoors is a very, very important part of the ethos of what we do. Um, you know, but it starts from a young age. Getting kids active, getting them motivated, getting them used to the outdoors. If you start that too late, then it's too late for them, and they won't bother doing it. So from a young age, you've got to get the kids involved in the outdoors you know build up that f- passion and make it fun as well you know
1: and it's not actually hard for most people actually to get out of the city or uh, we, we live in i'm very lucky too i live in leicestershire it's, it's quite a beautiful county and i've uh, started biking a lot uh, over the last sort of 18 months and you know i'm discovering um, new places on my doorstep that i didn't know exist you know beautiful you know country villages and uh, you know sort of scenes and lanes and you know, houses and uh, it's just—it's an absolute uh, gem of a place to be to cycle. But I, if I didn't get out on the bike, I just wouldn't experience that.
2: Exactly, exactly. And on a bicycle, you experience so much more. You're going at a slower pace, and on a penny farthing, you're, oh, yes, you're, you're, on, you're, you're on the side on a, on a horse. It's like being on a horse. You're right up there. You're sitting bolt upright, and you can see so much more. And it's about half the speed of a bicycle. So it's very graceful, and it's a wonderful way to travel. You know, it's a wonderful way to go around, and you just got to watch, you know, what's coming around the corner, because um, it's slightly more painful when you fall off one as opposed to a bicycle.
1: So, just tell us, just briefly. You know, we get, I think, I think, two weeks ago, we looked at the data. We had thirty-two uh, different countries people access this show from. So, I don't think everybody's going to know what a penny farthing is. What's a penny farthing? And tell us what you're doing with it right now.
2: Well, a penny farthing is 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 otherwise known as an ordinary. And it's one big, massive 56-inch wheel, and then you've got a small wheel at the back. So you'll probably know what I'm talking about. Um, They were developed in around the 1860s, um, and there was a sort of 10-year period where there were thousands of people on them. And you had to be pretty well-to-do in those days because it cost a year's salary to afford a penny farthing. And then the the two-wheeler that we know now um, uh, was invented, and suddenly overnight the penny farthing sort of went out of business almost. And here we are again through Neil Lawton, doing his wonderful bicycle polo club down, down south, uh, challenged me to, to play bicycle polo on a penny farthing. Um, so, we, so we did that. So I've been doing that for the last three years and it absolutely transforms my visits to London. I take it down on the train people are stopping you in the street, they're taking <laughs> photographs, you meet people you've never met before and it's just such a wonderful, wonderful uh, way to meet people uh, and to go around. And just last week we, we were training in Hearn Hill, which is like the home of 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 the cycling in london and uh, we're, we're, we're training to break a world record which is 22 miles in an hour set in the 1880s headed up by mark bowman who's just cycled around the world so he's our star and we're the sort of domestiques about seven of us that have to try and keep him going round that track um for a whole slipstreaming for a whole um, hour so that's our challenge on the 15th of june to break the world record which will mark will be breaking we will be supporting him on penny farthings but it's you just don't want to fall i've had a couple of major wipeouts and that's very very painful so you want to avoid coming off them um but well once you get the hang of it and they they, they, you know they they are wonderful wonderful things
1: i've 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 been on um on on one with neil and uh, it's quite scary aren't they to 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 jump on you've got a fixed wheel you you stop you stop pedaling and you come off (laughs) it's as simple as that
2: and it's high yeah, that's right, Chris. It's fixed wheels. There's no gears, and you, you brake brakes on the back wheel, but you've got to lean back for the brake to have actually any impact at all. And uh, I had a brake on the front wheel initially, and I, I, I did go over that. It's called a header when you go over the handlebars on, on the, when I read it, called the E-Tap Royale, descending the left with Mark Bowman. We're doing it for the cycle show, and um, that was one of the most painful experiences. I didn't break anything, so I was able to get back on it again. So um, it's not nice when you come off, but you just got to predict. When I'm going through London, you predict lights and you just slow down. But it's, um, you know, people just love it. It puts a massive smile on people's faces, which is what we need more of in this world. We need people to smile more, enjoy themselves more. And that's, you know, it, it ticks many boxes.
1: Excellent. Now you wrote this book, Positive Rosity. Why did you write it?
2: Well, I wrote the book. Purely to inspire. Now, as, as you've mentioned, we, we've raised over $40 million through the events. We've had an amazing 20, 25 years building these events up. And I've written it. It's called Positive Veracity and the Seven Golden Principles. And it's really about my experience. That's all I can talk about, my experience through putting these events on, creating these amazing, challenging events in beautiful parts of, of the country, mainly Scotland but throughout the U.K. and one or two in mainland Europe. And it's the principles of what we have to go through when we're thinking about, you know, what we're doing. The purpose, patience. I talk about practicality. I talk about planning, positive honesty. Obviously, that's the, that's the subject. And then we talk about um, passion as well. One of my most favorite subjects, passion. You've got to be passionate. So it's really telling a story, making a point. Telling a story, making a point, illustrating things. I've made many, many mistakes. And it's great to make mistakes. You learn from them and you move on and and that's really what it's all about it's about and, and, then, and then at the end of each chapter we've got various points that that we go through some tips um and reminders and also we're bringing out these wonderful cards Chris, i mentioned 42 cards so i'm very aware doing these talks at schools universities colleges companies and then people forgetting everything i've said within the next week so i've got these reminder cards which you can have as a A screensaver, you can have it as an app or you can have it as a card sitting on a desk. And every time you look at your phone, you've got those four things or five things you should be focusing on that week, whether it's to do with, you know, being positive, smiling at people, thinking about doing a good turn to somebody and you're practicing these good habits. Because as you know, it takes 22 times for us to change a habit. You've got to do something 22 times. Now, where that figure came from, I don't know. But, you know, to reinforce a habit, you've got to do it 22 times. And the younger you are, the more likely you are to change a habit. So that's what the for to back it up. So my main reason is to, is to inspire young people, um, and talk to young people and tell them it's okay to fail, but you've got to find a passion and it's to help them with passions and how to find that passion. And then it's to help them build their dreams, not be afraid of failing, but just to give life a go. So that's what the book's all about. So positive veracity, positive attitude with a bit of generosity. Um, and, um, So we launched it in in December. It's going really, really well. We're about to go into our second print. So, um, no, we're very, very excited. But that's that's the main reason for for bringing it out. Well,
1: I think it's great. And I think the cards that you mentioned there, uh, they're a a strategy to help you get you know, get things done because we do need reminders all the time. And if you've got, you know, you know, I wrote a book, The Power to Get Things Done, whether you feel like it or not. And one of the things we recommend to people is that they do have have these strategies that help them uh, keep at the forefront of the mind the thing that they're trying to achieve. So you know, they're yes. great reminders to have on your computer, to have um, by your desk, uh, to keep reminding yourself. Uh, and as you say, you know, habit change comes by you know, keeping uh, doing things differently, and it just takes a while, doesn't it? It's like trying to use, uh, you know, your left hand when you're used to using your right. We're going to go to break now. Uh, after the break, we're going to come back, and we're going to look at the seven principles of positive Rosti and, and 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 do stay on. David has got some amazing, amazing stories uh, to tell, which uh, link to some of these points. I think you're going to really for a real treat over the next uh, sort of half an hour or so. So do come back. We'll be back again in just a couple of minutes.
0: tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome back. I'm with David Foxpit. We're talking about positive erosity. And the seven principles, uh, golden principles around positive velocity. So let's let's sort of start with number one, really. I know number one, uh, David, is purpose. We talk a lot about purpose on this show. Uh, it's really important. And I know you know you kind of found your purpose uh, during a hitch to Athens uh, a number of years ago. Now, do you want to tell us a bit about that and what purpose is
2: about? Yes. Well, pur- purpose, I suppose, you know, c- can be linked in a way to passion, um, and, and and I'll cover that a bit more uh, as we go on. But the, the particular hitchhike you're talking about was very spontaneous. And when we're young, we haven't got any money, lot, all the time. And my friend was down in Athens, uh, out, out in the, near the Corinth Canal, you know, um, having a wonderful time on, on beaches, and asked me to join him. So I, I sort of set off to, to Paris to catch the magic bus. Um, and then, unfortunately, the magic bus was full. So I thought, you know, I'll just, I'll just hitchhike to Athens. So 21 lifts, and seven days later, I arrived in uh, Corinth Canal via Athens, um, impoverished, starving, uh, but I made it. Um, but I think it was a journey that was was so fascinating. And I think what we lack in this world is 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 so much as compassion and understanding for other people going through 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 difficult times. And I think, and you know, I experienced everything from um, starvation, homelessness. Poverty, we even got uh, chased off the, the, the Nice uh, uh, beach by the police. We got we got hosed down at four in the morning because we weren't supposed to be sleeping on the beach. You know, I endured hours and hours and hours of nobody stopping, especially in Italy, they just don't stop for, for hitchhikers. I ran out of money halfway down Yugoslavia. So it was, you know, down to some very generous um, uh, Germans mainly who gave me a lift and shared their bread with me. And then arriving in the amazing city of Dubrovnik, do forget, this is back in eighty. 82, 83 before the war, uh, and I remember walking around to Dubrov- Dubrovnik on those beautiful, beautiful stalls of fruit, and not being able to buy anything, um, and then having to leave with a tail between my legs, and then you know washing dishes in restaurants, um, but really going through an, an amazingly tough time. But looking back on it, it was it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic lesson because it, it built up that empathy, and it led very much to what I'm doing now because I empathize more about what happens around the world. And I think the problem that we all suffer from is overload media. You know, we have another disaster after another disaster, children drowning in the Mediterranean, refugees pouring over, and it's, oh, yeah, okay, what's for dinner? We tend to forget about it. We're blasé. And I think the only way that you're going to build up that compassion and understanding for people in difficult situations around the world that are suffering through these things I've been talking about is by having got it through yourself. If you've got it through yourself, you, you get it. And then you say, well, God, I know what it's like to be like that. And you think of these poor refugees. Not only have they fled their countries, probably been injured, but they've, they've got their families with them as well. So what I went through, is nothing in comparison to what they're going through now. So I think it's all about perspective, perspective. And I think that seven-day hitchhike to Athens taught me a lot. And it sort of sowed the seeds. And when I talk about passion, passion's a very difficult thing. It just doesn't click into, into place like that. Passion. You've got to work at it. You want to try lots of different things. I was speaking to students the other day at Glenarmon College, and I, the the question is, you know, how do we find our passion? I wasn't. Th- I was 35 till I found my passion at Wild Fox Events. 35. So the thing is to never give up. Um, always keep looking for it. And unfortunately, there are so many people I meet today that haven't got a passion. And and you can tell people listening to this. You know, you can tell if you've got a passion. You know, when when you ask you, are you passionate? You know, are you enjoying it? You know, most people say, oh, it's all right. It's okay. That's not good enough. It's got to be, yes, I love it. It's fantastic. I'm on fire with what I'm doing. That's passion. And I see so little of it. So what I say to people is never give up. Find a passion. You will find it. But you've got to try lots of different things. Experiencing, traveling is a wonderful thing. And I'll go on to that a bit later on uh, about, about some of the experiences um, of traveling. But I think that was the, the first one, um, you know, that really, really hit home. Uh, to build that compassion for other people, and, and then that, and that sort of sowed the seeds of wanting to support charities. But how was I going to support charities? I had to create events to raise money for charities, so one led to the next. Um, and, and that's really how it happened. But it was, um, and I, and I think this world we, we lack so much passion in this world now. I think there's enough to go around for the whole world, there's enough resources to feed everybody, yet yeah, we're so out of sync. You know, look what's happening in Syria, it's a disaster. Um, and we support Mercy Corps, an American NGO based out of Portland, Oregon, the most amazing um, charity um, in America, and they are one of the top leading charities helping in Syria, and we do a huge amount with them. So, you know, thank God for, for, for charities like that, and Mary's Meals and many, many wonderful charities doing amazing things. But we're not doing enough, and that's that's the basic um, bottom line, is that we're not doing enough. We need to do a lot more. Um, but, yeah, so that, that was, that was the, the hitchhike, memorable hitchhike in 1982 from London to Athens.
1: Fantastic. no it's really got me thinking there about you know passion and you know what's uh, what's my passion and I just you know what just came to me is my passions about building engagement uh, you know between people in a disengaged world um,
2: yes yes
1: it's uh, so much more can be achieved uh, together when we we take the time to engage and something like your trip to Athens you're engaging with different people uh, and uh, realizing uh, what um you know what is really out there and what's what's really important as well the time when you had no money it's uh it's good to experience that i remember myself hitching to brussels and you know sort of four in the morning i was stuck by the side of a motorway and no one would pick me up for three hours um it's quite leveling really um but you do those moments you learn don't you
2: oh yeah absolutely and i think that's that's often the way i think you know you, you learn through experiences and you know, hour after hour, um, you know, in, in, in the heat of the, of Italy, and nobody's stopping. It's you know, it can be pretty soul destroying, and humbling. That's the other thing. Humidity, you know, humility. We build up humility, but if you haven't been through those experiences, um, that, that then you're you're less likely to form those seeds of compassion which are so lacking in this day and age never has this world had so much technology so much amazing stuff so much money to solve these problems yet look how out of sync we are in so many areas of the world why is that you know why is that um, and i think talking to students and young people i think there are amazing opportunities for, for young people to get engaged to do something you know um
1: so, yeah it's a long i just my, my mind kind of kind of mind for the time there's so much i want to talk to you about and i'm uh, I wanted you to share a little, little bit, because it could potentially be a long story, and, and to read the story, you need to buy the book. Um, but uh, your second principle is about having patience, and I can see uh, that um, that was particularly important in this situation. You, you nearly died on a mountain in New Zealand. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yes, well, that, you know, patience again goes with perseverance. I've kind of put perseverance and patience together on this one. But this is a, a, an amazing backpack uh, a trip starting with a wedding in India. One of my best friends, Rendra Nand, amazing wedding in India. And I went up to Kashmir, back to India, Nepal, Burma, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, um, in, in Indonesia. And then I arrived in Australia, Western Australia with 20 pounds left on me. Before This is the day before credit cards. So I got a job on a wheat, f- wheat farm, earned some money. Uh, the sister decides to get married, so I have to speed up my travel uh, plans. And I arrived in New Zealand, and I want to go and see 90-mile beach, South Thailand. I want to climb that volcano, do this. You want to cram everything in. And here I was in Tongariro National Park, uh, backpacking, probably putting two days into one, because I was desperate to get in as many sites as possible. And I got disor—not disorientated. I made a navigational error going over the, the, the national park. Uh, a blizzard came in. And I started to get hypothermia. And luckily, um, I, I, was able, I, I had the equipment. I had a sleeping bag. And the, the, the lifesaver was a Gore-Tex survival bag. But anyway, so I got into the survival bag. Um, and I was in that survival bag for 18 hours. That's one eight, 18 hours. And uh, it was an active volcano, which didn't help. Um, and I had no idea I was going to make it through. I knew I was supposed to be getting back for my uh, sister's wedding a week later. And it was an extraordinary 18 hours, probably the longest 18 hours of my life, contemplating my life. And again, there were many lessons from that. You know, what's the point? What, what's the point of me living? What, you know, why am I here? What am I trying to achieve? And that was another sort of life-changing moment. If I get out of this, if, if, if I get out of this, you know, um, I'm going to do something. It's going to make a difference. Because up until that time, I, it was kind of, you know, traveling and not really thinking much about other people. So that was kind of a life-changing moment that, you know, what am I on this planet for? What can I do to make a difference to other people's lives um, if I can get off this? And it was, you know, my legs were frozen and I couldn't feel them. And, you know, it was, it was extraordinary, extraordinary 18 hours, which I'll never forget. And I I described it a bit more graphically. And I go back to my travels in India with a mission in the Philippines. And I talk about various things while I was, because you think a lot when you're, when you're, when life is ebbing away as I had no idea I was going to make it through, um, all these things come up, you know, and you think of these things more. Uh, life is a lot rawer, um, and you think about the things um, that really, really matter. So I suppose that was, that was a life-changing moment, and I was very lucky to, to get through it. I tried to get out after 12 hours, but the storm was so bad, I, um, I almost got blown off the crater back in, down the crater, so I got back into my bag for another six hours. It was 18 hours altogether, and eventually I got off. Very lucky to survive. And if if it wasn't for the equipment, I wouldn't be here now. So all my advice to those listening, if you travel and you go off into the mountains, just make sure you've got the right equipment. I had water. I had a tin of baked beans and corned beef, which I was able to drink cold, obviously, in, this, in, the, in the survival bag. Um, and it, it saved my life. So just think about equipment. And even in the Scottish Highlands, which I'm looking over the Loch Tay at the moment, many people uh, die in Glencoe and and the, and the Cairngorms um, every year because they're just not thinking about their equipment, so that that's a very important part.
1: So it sounds a bit like you made a pact with God at that point, to uh, to, to you know to realise what's important and uh, and choose to live a slightly different life.
2: Yes, that that, that that in a way that that's what it was. But again, the the real passion and the real um, you know the the real answer to what I was going to do didn't come to much later but that was definitely a turning point in my mind where I started to focus more on well come on what am I doing what am I doing what am I doing on this planet what am I doing am I making a difference no I'm not what am I going to do that's going to make a difference and I started thinking about it but often when you have a passion the ideas to build that passion don't just go ping 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 you got to work on it you know and then the ideas come up and it is when I met Angus McDonald a good friend who you know said come and do 32 Monroes in four days uh, <laughs> Again, starting from Loch Tay, 32 Monroe. That's a Monroe over 4,000 feet. It's a tough, it's a tough, tough uh, climb. And that was the start of the Caledonian Challenge. And we built that up to 1,600 people raising a million pounds a year. And that, that was a catalyst. And I thought, wow, if we can raise a million pounds with 1,600 people walking 54 miles in 24 hours, there's something here. And from that moment, we then built up other events. Um, Quadrath and, you know, the Maggie's Bike and I, all the others came along. Um, but that was a catalyst so often you have an idea you have a passion but what do you do i mean how do you get that passion going it's not as easy as that and so it's luck it's being in the right place at the right time it's having creativity it's thinking um and that was definitely the moment you know which which inspired me to build up wild fox events um uh, and it was that it was that 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 friend of mine angus mcdonald that came up with that idea of the Caledonian challenge you know and that and that's that's how it worked so Keep searching. That's the thing to do, to keep searching and, and never give up.
1: So it wasn't part of a, a grand master plan, it's really it, it evolved. And, and I imagine doing that if you've got twelve hundred people or um, going doing those fifty four month rows, you know, at that point that must have seemed like an an enormous event to put on. But now you obviously you put on, you know, many, many of these such events. Um, but I guess that one step to doing that then opened up the opportunity for something bigger.
2: It did, yes. It was, the, the first one was 32 Monroe's, but then only, only two of us actually finished it, so we said, well, we've got to move on to the West Highland Way, slightly more manageable, keep off the Monroes, because we'd lose too many people. So yeah. we then switched on to a 54-mile event down the West Highland Way from Fort William to Ard-Louis. But yes, it was from that that we said, well, there's something here. You know, Having done the MacLehose Trail Walk in Hong Kong, um, which was where the idea came from, we thought, well, if it can work in Hong Kong, it can work in Scotland. And it did. And and from then we we built up the other events. Um but you know, it's hard work and part, part of the reasons for joining the the, um, the territorial SAS, which is equivalent to the, the National Guard in America. I wasn't in the regular SAS, it was a territorials, built up a huge amount of resilience and, and tough toughened me up in order to manage these events, which which are not easy. You know the Scottish weather can be brutal, um, marquees and tented villages all over the place. Um, You know, working with people um, in in, um, difficult areas takes a lot of of, uh, planning. So, you know, events aren't glamorous. Events are tough work, but nothing in life worth fighting for is going to be easy. You've got to work at it. Uh, But if you've got that passion, you're more likely to go through with it. If the passion isn't there and you hit a hard moment or a problem, you'll quit, which is what most people do. But if you've got a passion, it'll see you through those ups and downs. The yin and yang of life will always be there. And if that passion is there, it'll see you through and inspire you to, 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 to keep going.
1: Mm. Yeah. And it sounds like, uh, yeah, it being the, I think the thing, one of the things you do as well is, uh, I know you plan your events very carefully, and you, you have all sorts of different you know, fun things that happen, uh, like Kaylee's at the end and fireworks and uh, non-alcoholic cocktails at different points and uh, I guess things that little rewards for people to help them to, to uh, keep moving forward.
2: Oh, no, absolutely, you, you, you're quite right. You've got to make it fun. And we're the quadrath in which you're, you're entering next year because your name's down for it, I think. As you know, we've got the, the people arrive for a pasta party on the Friday night, and there's a great sort of buzz and fun. And on the actual event itself, they, they get piped across the loch, ha- having had a warm-up in the morning, a nice, having had a nice breakfast. And then on the, on the hill phase, we've got a wonderful stop, doing massage, soup, and goodies. And when they start the kayak phase, they've got macaroni cheese and drinks and... And then halfway along the loch, they've got uh, pina coladras and strawberry daiquiris with reggae music being served on on Bikini Beach, as it's called. And then they get to the finish of the kayak and they cycle 38 miles on the loch. We have a fish supper in Cullin, black pudding and haggis, a real Scottish menu. And then when they finish, they chop a melon with a claymore, which is a Scottish sword, eat the melon. Um, And then they've got um, paintballing at targets, spear the red coat, double-headed axe and archery into the targets, (laughs) into a hot tub with another pina colada, full-body massage. And then we have the dancing, the ceilidh. You're not a true quadrathlete till you have done four Scottish reels. And then we've got fireworks and then dancing to the early hours of the morning with a bonfire. And that's the spirit. And that's the event. And that's what people remember. That's what they talk about. They talk about their buzz. They talk about their fun their bikini beach they talk about they don't talk about the portaloos and the tents and it's having the spirit of an event um together with a sponsor so the costs are covered so all the money raised goes to the charity so um that that's the importance of so, you know if you're doing doing something special make it special so people talk about it and come back you know but so it's pos- a spirit, pos- spirit of the event which is which is crucial
1: positive generosity um i, li- I like that and uh, and that uh, yeah, that spirit and uh, yeah, that uh, sense of fun that you create around these events is, uh, is is really important. Now we're going to go to commercial break again. Uh, after the commercial break, we've got more stories, we've got some more principles and and points uh, from David before we we end the show. Um, so do join us. We'll be back again in just a couple of minutes for some more positive veracity. Mm-hmm.
0: The business community's first choice in internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now
1: back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with David Fox Pitt. We're talking about this positive generosity as uh, which is really the shortened word for positive generosity. And we talked a bit about purpose, and we talked around uh, David's sort of Athens trip and finding that um, purpose. Um, we've also talked a, a bit about patience when David was stuck on that mountain in New Zealand. Um I think uh, and he talks about the sort of practicality of having the right kind of equipment, which is really really important. um with David's events, um you know it's life, it takes a lot of planning. Um, and uh, I think there's some things that are also really important to discuss in the in the book and to get the full effect of this. you need to need to buy it. Um, but the uh, but perseverance, I think is really, really important. and David, uh, you know what you did uh, and also, uh, Neil Lawton and your your friend Bear Grilsted as well. You went on this um, SAS selection, uh, which must have been absolutely incredible. And there's things like the Ultra Trail de Mont adventure in your book as well, which is incredible. You know, just t- talk a little bit about perseverance and you know why that's so important. Why we should keep on seeing things through to the end, uh, even when we have to overcome a lots of pain and adversity.
2: Yeah, well, I think it goes back to what I was saying about trying to 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 have a healthier life. You know, um, healthy body, healthy mind doing things you enjoy, and always setting yourself a challenge um, to keep fit. But it must be an inspiring challenge. Um, So, you know, I I, I was probably getting a um, bit unfit and overweight, and I thought, well, you know, let's have a crack at uh, the SS selection. That's a territorial version. So in America, it would be the National Guard, not the regulars, as I I mentioned before. Um, But that takes a whole year, and, and you build up. Um, and it is probably the toughest thing you'll ever, ever do because you get pushed your limit. You know, you've got equivalent of Delta Force in, in, in America. Um, and then having gone through that selection, it, it lifts you up to a different level, you know, of confidence because um, you push your, your body so far that you 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 go on to a different confidence level. You know that you can put up with things which you couldn't have put up with before you did selection, if you know what I mean. So it gives that amazing resilience. Um, and then you enter sort of mad events like the... Uh, Marathon de Sable I haven't done that one a lot of people that do the Quadrat do that but I did enter an event called the North Face Tour de Mont Blanc which was um, an amazing event highly recommended I think North Face have moved on as a different sponsor but that's 178 kilometers. you start in Chamonix and you run 178 kilometers around the whole of Mont Blanc through France Italy Switzerland and back you've got 46 hours to do it in and you're running 9000 meters ascent so it's like doing four marathons back to back and climbing Everest that's the equivalent 2,000 started, I think, by 800 finished. I finished just, you know, in uh, we had 47 hours. I think it was now 45 hours, five minutes was my time. So I wasn't a race snake. I got round. Um, But that's a long time to be running, you know, 45 hours. And I think anything you do, whether it's just a marathon, we've had the London Marathon recently, marathons now in every city practically, it doesn't matter. It's setting your own goal, your own personal challenge. um, And you know, starting off, if you haven't done this sort of thing before, start with a small event and build up. But it must be fun. Um, and the whole point of these events is to, is to do incremental training. So train up to it, but make it fun, you know. Um, and I think, um, you know, people join gyms, for example, in January. And by February, they've, 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 they don't go again, because it's not fun. and they're, they're not thinking of a, of, a, of a sort of routine, which they can really enjoy, and, and they can achieve. But just to, just to go on there, the SAS principles, the, the, the things that I've really um, – the, the, the traits, I suppose, which I, 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 I've got from it, are humility is key. You know, be a team player, unrelenting pursuit of excellence, truth, honesty, and commitment, high levels of self-motivation because if you're training on your own, there's nobody here to say, right well, off you go with your, with your pack and your back, you've got to do it yourself. Fitness standards equivalent to Olympic athletes. When you see the selection we've got to go through, you can understand that. Cheerfulness in the face of adversity. It doesn't matter what you do in life. You're going to get the ups and downs. Things are going to go wrong. Things are going to go well. And it's how you handle those which are so important. Never give up. If you've got a goal, you've got a passion, and you know that's what you want to do, you've got to believe that you're going to do it. And you've got to have faith that you're going to do it. And you've got to follow that through. So you've got to never give up. Um, um, and 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 be self-reliant, the mental strength and ability to push through pain barriers, uh, and certainly that happened. We'll be going through that with Mark Bowman on the the pain record as we did last last um, last week. A very very painful experience. Uh, controlled aggression, uh, and also to neutralise potential flashpoints. People think in the SAS is all about going in there and busting up and having fights. It's not. It's all about preventing things, um, and only. Having to go in there if there's no alternative, but you know it's 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 um, control aggression, which is very important. But great great traits, um, I think to to, to focus on.
1: Nice. And so if, if you're out there at the moment, and you're kind of listening to this and you're thinking, I'd, I'd like to do something maybe next year, uh, something. Um, may, maybe you're reasonably fit at the moment, but you uh, you want to take something to the next level. Well, I, I am. I think I've just about pretty much committed myself now to doing this quadrathlon next year. And when David talks about it, I start getting a bit scared because I don't swim particularly well. Uh, and uh, I run a bit, I cycle a bit, um, don't really um, row or kayak. So I've got a lot to learn in, in 14 months, but it's uh, it's a challenge. And wouldn't it wouldn't be great if there was a number of us that uh, went out to Scotland on, for July the 4th next year and competed in the quadrathlon and we... We generate, you know, a greater amount of, uh, of benefits from great charities like Medicore and uh, and also the um, Mary's Meals uh, charity as well, um, and all went out um, as a you know as a bit of a group running in pairs, but went and achieved something uh, considerable next year that uh, would would be a long lasting memory. Um, so if you if you're up for that, feel free to to drop me an email. Uh, I'm going to uh, sort of communicate out to a few people already who've expressed interest. We won't all, I guess, get to that date where one or two of us might have an odd injury. I'm nearly fifty, so who knows what might happen. But let's um, see if we can um, maybe meet up in Scotland next year and do something uh, on the Quadrathlon and get to meet David as well, which would be um, a great uh, experience. So uh, to to David, just um, I just want to we've kind of got about. I know, about sort of eight to nine minutes left now till we finish. But I'm, I'm really intrigued that some people go through life and they just don't find that passion like you've done. And you've got this passion for, for adventure, for being positive, for being generous. Um, but some people struggle. You know, how do you find your passion and how do you create this unstoppable uh, positive momentum?
2: Well, that's a very good question. And I was just speaking to 180 students at Glen Arman College the other day um, sixth formers they're all about to leave into the wider world and a lot of that that question comes up the whole time and it's it's a very difficult question because you know passion just doesn't drop off a tree it doesn't just come you know out of nowhere it, it, it's, it's something that has to be worked on so my advice to, to to the young students especially is to try lots of things I mean this is a time where they've got some freedom they can travel traveling is a fantastic thing I just love traveling around the world my god you meet so many wonderful people you meet so many wonderful cultures. You learn about languages. Travelling is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And also take apprenticeships, uh, secondments, volunteer, work with charities, work with companies. I mean, how, can, how on earth can anybody know what they want to do at the age of 16, 17? You know, they haven't tried things, you know. So so searching, searching, searching. I mean, I, I talk about my Finding my real passion with Wellfox events and and raising money for charity at 35 doesn't mean I wasn't passionate before then. I just loved travel. I so was about 55 countries. I loved travelling. Uh, I worked in the hotel business. Did some amazing things. Worked with a Christian mission in the Philippines. So I think I was always searching. And 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 you know the, the the bingo ball doesn't come up just like that. It takes it takes time. But the main thing is not to give up on it. And I see so many people just giving up. You know how's it going? Uh, it's all right. That's not good enough. You know, it's, yes, I'm really excited. I'm on fire with this thing. It's so exciting. Do you know what's happened this week? Do you know what I'm going to do next week? That's passion. And I see so little of it. So what I'm saying here is it can be found. It is there. Research. Never have we had so much wonderful technology, iPhones, Internet at our fingertips to look and research for things. And I think that we we, we can do so more. As I mentioned earlier, there's so much that we can do, so much we can do in, in this world. So there are passions there to to be had, and and also sometimes a a passion or a dream can feel enormous. It can. So I'll never achieve that, you know. If somebody told me we'd have raised forty million when I started, I would have, you know, would have would have blown blown me away and said, no, that's not going to happen. So it's it's breaking it down into little size bites, and then building up. You know, so you break that big picture down. Okay, okay, I want to do this event. I've got to work out where I'm going to have the event and I've got to work out how I'm going to market it. So you break it down and then as the wonderful Kevin Harrington taught about, you know, his takeaway point from last year, getting a dream team, getting people, you know, like in our events, we have the medical, the mountain leaders, the event logistics, the tents, marketing, risk assessment, catering, running all these people to help me put this event together. It's hard work. Anything worth doing is going to be hard work. Nothing's easy out there. That's the other thing. Nothing is easy without hard work and commitment, and blood, sweat, and tears. And the thing I love about, um, it's called, I don't know if you've heard of the Dipity principle, Goethe, a very famous German uh, um, man, uh, lived from 1749 to 1832, and he talks about the theory of And Basically, it's once you've got that resolve, and you're determined you're going to do something, All sorts of things start to happen and move your way to make that thing happen. People say, oh, well, this guy's on fire. This guy's guy's got something happening in his life. Well, let's support him. And before you know it, all these things come out of the ether to help you achieve what you want to achieve because people pick up the vibes. They pick up the subconscious vibes of that positive ferocity and things start to happen. But if you don't know what you want to do, guess what? You get all sorts of things thrown at you that you don't want. And that's why having that vision... Having that passion is so important. And that's what will make the difference. But you know, keep searching for it, I think, Chris, is is the main advice I can give. And try lots of different things. And then you will find it if you if you don't give up. So it sounds a bit it sounds a bit you
1: you know, you you're right, absolutely. You've got the the internet to, to search and you can do huge amounts of uh about research today, but it it feels like it's a comb- a combination of doing that research, but then also getting off your butt and actually doing some things. You know, really yes. getting out and experiencing things, and uh, uh, and and trying new things.
2: Exactly, exactly. I mean, just just look at Mary's Meals, that wonderful charity, Mary's Meals. You know, uh, we know Magnus mcfarlane Barrow. We we feed about ten thousand children through the Quadraten every year. He went down to Malawi, met this family, and the family said um, his parents had died of AIDS. He said. What do you need? And he said, well, I want my brothers and sisters to go to school, but there's no food, so they don't go to school. So he started Mary's Meals. Now, it costs £13.90 to feed a child for one year at school in Malawi. He's now feeding 1.3 million. Wow! Isn't that amazing? 1.3 million children are being fed. But you know what? There's still 54 million kids out there without a meal. So that was an idea that came on like a light bulb. Mary's Meals is now feeding 1.3. Amazing charity, you know incredible, credible charity. So there are opportunities. We've still got fifty four million to feed. um so there's a lot of work to do. but you know it's it's having that that light bulb moment, and there are things out there, and we can find them. We can find them. So how do people sign up for one of your events, such as the Quadrathlon? Well, they can go on. They can go onto the website, the, the Wild Fox website. Um, we've got the, the Glencoe Marathon. i oh, sorry, I'll start in order. We've got the Rob Roy Challenge on the 23rd of June, and then we've got the Glencoe Marathon on the 30th of September. We're trying to get an amazing event going in America on the Appalachian Trail from Harper's Ferry to Gettysburg, a 60-mile, 30-hour event uh, for the Allied Forces Foundation that's supporting our brave veterans. Um, 26 Americans take their lives every day through post-traumatic stress. Similar percentage in um the uk but we've got a much smaller army obviously and as you know chris we're trying to get the wonderful quadrath and going in nevis and some kits in the caribbean um, so it's it's yes yeah, all on the website Wild Fox events um and it's all self-explanatory explanatory excellent well do go to Wild Fox events and do do check that out we've got to go now but do you have
1: one final message to leave us with david
2: yes absolutely i think well i've i've banged on about passion and, and that is probably the most important thing you know for whatever you do don't give up keep searching for your passion because you will find it um and also g- give massive thanks gratitude thanksgiving whatever you want to call it you know thank the almighty thank the universe whoever your your preferred god or uh, medium is uh, for what you have now that is so important uh, i thank you know for, for, the, for the house we live in for the family for where we live, what we do, the fact we've been able to help, and I think you do that morning, noon, and night is is a, is a wonderful thing, um, and and to stay positive, you know, Excellent. and also the consequences of not taking action. If I hadn't done this quadrathin, there'd be ten thousand less kids being fed. So the consequences of not doing something we have to think about as well. Excellent. So David, hoping, we've yeah, we've got to go
1: now. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> a, absolutely brilliant, David. Love talking to you. Um, just, just, just fantastic. And do go to wildfoxevents.co.uk. You mentioned gratitude there, David. I'm very grateful.
2: Dot com actually. It's dot com. Wildfoxevents.com. Dot com. Sorry about that. (laughs) Wildfoxevents.com. So
1: next week's show, we've got David White. That's David White, W-H-Y-T-E. Do Google that name if you don't know it. David is an incredible poet. We talk about conversational and leadership expert. We're talking about conversational leadership. Um, uh, Steven Spielberg even flies in to go to David White's events. He's a really, really top um, guy when it comes to leadership and uh, conversation and thinking. He's a TED speaker. Uh, do come along and listen to that interview with David White. And once again, huge thank you to David Foxbit. And if you've got any comments, you're interested in the quadrathlon, uh, maybe meeting me when you're doing the quadrathlon and David, um, go to uh, email me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk.
0: If you're 85 or younger, would you like piece of